What up, world? Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. While you're here, do us all a favor and hit that follow button. Then join us every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday for more top-tier NFL content. Welcome to the city. Welcome into another edition of the Sac City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron the Mukes. I am Mukes. And below us, we have the reigning, the defending, the undisputed heavyweight valedictorian of the show. He is Dylan Kearns. And you know what? I don't want to forget, Dylan, you have the valedictorian title, but I have kind of slipped and not mentioned you as the smoothest voice in sports casting. That doesn't go away because your voice is oh so smooth. And joining us on that spectrum internet, once again, it is AJ Johnson. Dylan? On the, on the spectrum. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a on lot. The spectrum, uh, I'm on the spectrum. It is a beautiful July 13th morning here in the city episode 53 is about to kick off we are diving into the afc east and their fantasy outlook that's the jets that's the patriots that's the bills that's the dolphins we are going to dive into that and so much more first we gotta talk about this gentlemen it kicks off our morning headlines it's zach wilson it's zach wilson and the stories that are going on with him (laughs) No, that's that's not what we're kicking the show off. We can't. We that, that that's not what we're doing. That, I mean, can why? we? Want, why? Why can't we kick the show off with that? Okay, go mad, you mad because he got with Stacy's mom and you didn't, bro? Dude, hey, he what's is up? an absolute no, legend. He is an ab- absolute legend. And what's what's great about? Okay, for everyone who doesn't know, Aaron, tell tell us what happened with Zach Wilson and why he is taking Your over. Your favorite quarterback this year. Yeah, I mean, he was my favorite quarterback in the draft last year, and now you're starting to see why. Now, um, so rumors, it, it still is a rumor. Rumors have come out. His ex-girlfriend posted on Instagram that Zach Wilson may or may not have, she says he did, slept with his mom's friend. Now, uh, first of all, if you guys don't remember, last year Zach Wilson's mom was all over the TV, all over social media when he was being drafted, and because she looks younger than her age. And people were all up in her social media, and Zach Wilson almost paid her to get off of social media. So uh, there's rumors out there that Zach Wilson has been with his, you know, his ex or his mom's <laughs> friend, and now his ex girlfriend that he used to be with is now with his friend and college roommate, who now plays for the Washington Commanders. So it's like this ultimate love triangle, but this dates back further than that. And this is what I wanted to know. Does anybody remember when he was going to his high school prom? Zach Wilson actually had two members of the cheerleading team from BYU take him to prom. And there's a picture of him out there like smiling at prom with both of them giving him a kiss. Zach Wilson is a legend. And this is why he should have been the number one overall pick over Trevor Lawrence. Because although Trevor Lawrence has the beautiful locks and sunshine, 
And the that, Wilson, married. Zach Wilson, and, and, and his baby wife face. is pretty hot. Hey, Zach Wilson, baby face. He pulled all the bitches from He's, 17 years old to 77 years old. <laughs> all, all the bitches. No, uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it's great. It's great. That he, he is taking over the internet, not just because the headlines, but the memes. The memes that are coming out of Zach Wilson are fantastic. My favorites really are the ones that have him and like Stifler's mom from American Pie. Oh, it is absolutely Mackay uh, Beckton tweeted out the t- the TO thing saying with the tearing emoji saying that's my quarterback. That's my like quarterback. everybody is envious <laughs> of Zach Wilson. Yeah, I like the I like the Drake meme where he's Miss Parker. And then oh, with, with, with yeah. Stifler's mom. Yeah, that that's a good one. Yeah. That that is a good one. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wilson has now entered in legend status, and this is only going to be his second year in the league. He already has the Hall of Fame jacket lined up, ready to go for him because he's getting yeah. in. Can we make a point though? Like we're laughing about oh, it. It's all funny, haha. If if you're going to make off the field news in the NFL. I'm glad for once it's not I got a DUI killed somebody. I'm glad for once it's not I got 22 sexual assault allegations against me. That it can be laughed at because although some people may disagree with it, right? Some people may not like that. That is a personal choice in your personal life that has no life or death implications. No, I mean, this is just people having a relationship. And if he's 50 and he's 22, hey, that, that's their choice. But there's nothing that comes out of this that's in a negative, a real negative light. And I think that's important because we talk about those situations a lot in the NFL. And I think this is a, kind of a little bit, a light shed on something that's a little yeah. bit uh, less serious. Fun. There's yeah. no allegations. There's no charges. Yeah. There's just great memes, great humor, and Zach Wilson punching his ticket to the Hall of Fame. Uh, let's get into the other morning <laughs> headlines, though. And this one is actually another possibly Hall of Famer in Nikhil Harry getting traded to the Chicago Bears for a 2024 seventh round pick. That is my joke of a news headline. We're starting off hot here on this show. The real headline, and this is going straight, straight to this guy right here. Right here. I'm just going to keep you on solo here. Yeah. Reports from NFL Network's Mike Garofalo, there isn't a lot of optimism that the Bengals will bridge the gap between the tag and the top of the safety market for Jesse Bates, who might hold out in training camp and so on. Dylan, what's the latest from Jesse Bates' camp? Jesse Bates is living life based on a Snapchat story. Um, he's, <laughs> he's at Turner's. He's playing softball on weekends and all that good stuff. But in all seriousness, you didn't keep the solo on. I don't know why you said it. You're going to be solo. solo, solo. I'm going to continue. I'm trying to share field. screen time. I mean, you, you look at the you look at the safety like safeties don't really get paid by their original teams. It's very like you see Marcus May move. You see uh, the Jets ended up trading a Jamal Adams and stuff like that. You see safeties move because they feel that's not a that's not a position that, oh, I need to pay him to stick around. Jesse Bates is a very talented safety, right? And, and you think they drafted him as someone they liked and they could potentially see as a future piece of that team. He's a very talented safety. He's going to make money. I think with the Cincinnati Bengals team, they realize, hey, we could allocate that to a corner so we don't have uh, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Aaron's favorite getting b- beat up on uh, – on plays outside. So I think they could allocate that everywhere else on the defense and not lock it up to a safety, which is a nice asset to have, but a safety is not going to win you a championship. 
What's your take, Aaron? Come on. <laughs> Listen, I I tried to I tried to tell people this when we had this conversation before the draft that Dylan's right. The fact that people don't pay safeties, people do not pay safeties in the league. However, Cincinnati is doing a disservice to their organization and their team if they don't pay defense. This is why. We saw them go out in the draft and go try to address the secondary. It wasn't just one guy. It wasn't just Dax Hill. Like, they've tried to incorporate a number of guys. They drafted Tyson Anderson. They drafted Cam Taylor Britt. They were very adamant about adding pieces and not just regular pieces. Dax Hill, uh, Cam Taylor Britt, these are guys that are versatile pieces, right? Tyson Anderson, safety. Dax Hill played safety in college. I'm not saying they can fill Jesse Bates' role. But this, the writing was on the wall then when they said he might not be around. But what you're going to run into, now you run into a situation where they have to hit on those guys. If those guys don't come out this year and prove that they could be a long-term answer, then they have to pay Jesse Bates. Because if they don't, now you've taken the quarterback of a defense in an already suspect position group, and now you've eliminated that. And we've already had questions about that defense. So, uh I think this is a pivotal moment for the Bengals. And I get it. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, they paid the offensive lineman. Like, these guys are going to have to get paid offensively. I think it's a huge mistake if they don't pay the tag and let Jesse Bates walk. If a guy like Dax Hill, Tyson Anderson can't come in and be what Jesse Bates has been or more. And I think that's what they're going to end up doing. This year. They're going to play it out. I think Jesse Bates is ultimately going to show up and have to play on the franchise tag. And if they can't, you know, bridge the gap. And then you, they're looking for these young guys. Okay, do we see something in this to where we can let Jesse Bates walk? In? They got to shoot their shot. They got to shoot their shot and save their money for uh, for the for those big-time young stars. Maybe they should call Zach Wilson. Oh. He's good at shooting his shot. Oh, my goodness. That's going to be a joke all show long because we're talking about <laughs> the AFC East and the New York Jets and the rest of the, the Bills, the Rivals, Jesus, the Patriots, the Dolphins, everybody. And we kick these type of shows everybody? off with a rank it. Rank this. And it's been it's starting to develop into a special segment on this show from one A.J. Johnson presenting us his list. And this episode, it's about ranking the AFC East running backs and their best the best fantasy options in the AFC East at the running back position. So AJ, take it over and tell us who the best running backs in fantasy are in the AFC East. It's all Pierre Strong Jr. No, stop. Yes. All right. So, uh, you know, when we were doing the uh, AFC West and things like that, we stuck into about four running backs. But once we get into the wide receivers and we were going eight deep and you realize a lot of these running back systems are committees and things. So I went eight on the running backs as well. And uh, this is my list here. Surprisingly, I started with Devin Singletary. Uh, now, this is not something we would have felt a year or so before. But if you look at what Devin, Devin Singletary started to do as the uh, weeks went on last season, they started to use him. Over the last four regular, uh, regular season games, he had over 15 rushes in each of those four games, over 20 in three of the four. Um, so I think with the new offensive system coming in, I think they plan to use him a little bit more. I'm not saying they're going to fade Josh Allen. He's going to be one of the top two uh, quarterbacks this year, in my opinion. Uh, so I think Devin Singletary may get used a little bit more often, and we've been praying for that. So hopefully they listen. Uh, moving forward, I took second and I went Damian Harris. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Chase Edmonds. We did that correct, right? Yeah. I went Chase Edmonds. 
we had this conversation. Uh, I think he has RB1 potential. And as of right now, he is the starting running back in Miami. Uh, and it's coming over from the Shanahan system. You know, they're going to be using a guy like Chase Edmonds in different ways. And we're going to talk about him a little bit later. So I'll save that. Uh, third in with Damian Harris. I think he's one of the safest bets here. Um, even last season, uh, the way they ran him, even when he wasn't scoring, they were feeding him the ball. Without Josh McDaniels, are we sure that's the same route? I would like to think so. Belichick, run the ball, play defense. Uh, four, I went Brees Hall. I think his talent is going to step up and overshadow Michael Carter. I mean, you can say they drafted him because they wanted a running mate for Michael Carter, uh, and that may very well be true, but his talent is undeniable, and uh, I think he's going to have himself a great season. So then I went Michael Carter afterwards. I think he's dynamic enough to have a couple things go right his way. Uh, put Raheem Mostert at six. Uh, what's a, McMahon got his guy from uh, from San Francisco, but at the same time, he could easily be eight because who knows if he's ever going to stay healthy. He may be done by snap three this season. Uh, and then I went with the rookies, James Cook. Uh, I think Zach Moss is an afterthought in that, in that offense. Uh, they drafted Cook for a reason. And then uh, I did put Pierre Strong on this list. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people, but that is a very crowded backfield. That's a rookie flyer, uh, and I'm taking him knowing what I've seen him do in college and the style of his run game that I really, really enjoy. Uh, so I would just say keep an eye on him. I'm not saying go grab him early or anything of that nature, but hey, if you want a flyer in the last round, Pierre Strong might be that guy in a couple <laughs> leagues. So those are the eight I went with, uh, and I'm happy to hear some uh, some counter perspectives. Getting a round of applause from Dylan. A lot, Are you a slow clapping slow clap, for that bro. list? It's a slow clap. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that list. I, I thought he. I thought he did a great job. Uh, Aaron obviously disagrees. Throw it back up there again, Ben. I want to. I want to touch on this. Um, you, you know, Singletary. That was that was ballsy, but I like it, man. It shows you sometimes you got to put the plums on the table, and you really did that with your number one here. Um, Singletary catches balls out of the, like he, he's a he's a good all around back, and I think that's one thing he took a jump on here. Um, Edmonds is safe. I, I like what you did four or five with Michael Carter. Mostert's nice without injury. James Cook, I think, could be a little bit higher on this list. I, I'm not a big Pierre Strong guy. I think Ramondre Stevenson still has a lot to offer. He didn't um, put him on the list. Yeah, he didn't I like put Ramondre, Ramondre on the list. I like him oh, yeah. more than a PR, Pierre Strong. But I, I, did, I think you did a pretty solid job on this list. I like Singletary a lot more than James Cook, which is probably where uh, Mr. This guy's going to go before, before Aaron goes, you know, the James <laughs> Cook thought process. <laughs> Mr. Why are you laughing like that? Cause they think it's you that loves James Cook a lot. It's me. It's me. James Cook should be <laughs> number one. I'm oh kidding. I'm kidding. I'm before, kidding. Before so, so the James Cook thought process, uh, you know, a lot of people talked about how high they, they drafted him and obviously they plan on using him, but the whole thought process was they, nobody believed they liked any of their backs because of how sparingly they used them. And really they just kind of let their passing game go scorched earth because it was working that well. But you saw Devin Singletary emerge and they start to trust him a little bit more. Zach, James Cook is kind of one of those guys who didn't really get to showcase everything because in Georgia, they have running backs galore every single year. And if you really That's go right. back and, you know, it's just stat watching, I, st I think he has a lot of learning to do in the NFL. And if it's a system anywhere close to the lack of running that they had the last couple of seasons, he may not get the run that we're going to see because they may work horse Devin Singletary. And then with the Pierre Strong over Maje Stevenson, Vinny clarified this is overall fantasy. And I believe by the end of the year, uh, I think Pierre Strong might uh, be that Damian Harris number two guy. People will talk about James White, but I have feelings towards James White. So, but there we go. James White.
I'll start from the back. I'll start from the bottom. Pierre Strong being on this list is absolutely The fact that you have Pierre Strong on this graphic with a jersey number 50, FN4. <laughs> I just want to do everything you need to go. I you just wanted, I know AJ's love for Pierre Strong, so I had to put him on the graphic. Pierre Strong should not be it. on this list. You can't have Pierre Strong over James White or Ramondre Stevenson, no matter what you feel about the James White. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson was a rookie and he showed promise. He is firmly, in my opinion, the number two back behind a Damian Harris if he gets hurt. Um, I thought he showed <laughs> nothing but promise. I don't know why they would skip him and go to uh, a Pierre Strong based on nothing. Uh, so that's number one. Pierre Strong doesn't belong on this list. Uh, can, on you bring, can you bring, yeah, based on nothing. You just, you just skip Ramondre Stevenson based on nothing. He was I mean, productive look, last year. Do about nothing. They, I mean, they brought him on the team. I mean, I'd imagine if he was to show up and show that he can do the, the job. They drafted a no sixth six round running back. Few, That's great. You mean like Elijah every, Mitchell? You mean like Elijah Mitchell? does that. But the difference between Elijah Mitchell is he was behind a guy. Raheem Mostert died. I'm sorry. But if Raheem <laughs> Mostert doesn't die, guess who's getting most of the carry? It's Raheem Mostert. So now you're telling me you that Pierre Strong has to have Damian Harris die, Ramondre Stevenson die, James White still is a factor. He has to have three things I mean, happen. I mean, in order James, for that. White three died once. Three James White died once. Three deaths. James White died once. And honestly, I mean, so, that death, he's kind of old point, right now. To the point, if <laughs> he sits fourth, he doesn't belong on a list of eight in the entire division. That's all I'm saying. It's fourth episode. You know what I do with my eighth spot. I like that's that beside the Go point. On. Raheem Mostert should not be on this list. Doesn't belong on this list. Really? He should be 12th. Like, the man wow. can't stay healthy. Uh, it's Sony rest, time. Michael Carter, uh, James Cook, those are all fine. Brees Hall's fine where he's at. I have an issue with the number one uh, Maybe James Cook's a little, a little bit higher. But I do have a, a, a question about the number one, AJ. I. I question how you could, on one end, say Chase Edmonds can be an RB1. And then on the other end, say Devin Singletary is more fantasy relevant. Because I know you're not going to sit here and tell me you think Devin Singletary is going to be an RB1 or has a chance to be an RB1. I know you don't believe that. So I also said that it was RB1 potential. That okay. was that was the words. Okay. With and and and, and uh, firmly an RB2. Vinny brought this up as well. Yeah, I said it. As soon as <laughs> as soon as soon as you messaged me this to put it in the graphic, I was like, "Wait he a asked second. Me the question. Chase yeah. Edmonds and I said two. He it hold on. It was originally at three, and I was like, no, "What the hell? You had let, let him finish. You shouldn't even ask them. It's his list. Question him here on the show. I was just I just." Because we're talking about Chase Edmonds later, I asked him because I didn't want to talk about Chase Edmonds if he was fading him. That's the only reason why I asked. Wasn't because, because now you have Devin Singletary ahead of him, and yes, it is it it means a lot because you have you have Devin you have Chase Edmonds as a potential RB one. Does that mean yeah. you have Devin Single also oh, as a potential RB one? RB two, no, firmly RB two. He said potential yes. RB one. How does yes. Devin Singletary factor into this? Okay. So when Vinny asked me about this, I said the same thing. I asked him about if this was at draft time originally, and then he clarified it was overall. Secondly, I, like I told him, I'll tell you as well. When we had the tiers list and we were talking about all these guys, a lot of that was on a small amount of research and a lot of feeling. I like the usage that Chase Edmonds is going to get. This list came after doing further research and seeing the ways these guys were used, seeing that Chase Edmonds, one – 
and we can get into it, the what Chase Edmonds was used in Arizona, I, I have to go a lot more off the trajectory and what they were planning to do with him because in 2020, he didn't really get his shot. He burst onto the scene like Rashad Penny did. Had a blow-up game that pissed everybody off. That was 19. Uh, and then 20, they used him sparingly. He got a little injured. 21, he got injured, and James Conner just ran away with that job. He's got the potential. He's got the number. He's got the skill set to fit into a Mike, uh, to a McMahon's offense, but we still haven't fully seen it for an entire season. So with that, with the fact that Devin Singletary being in a system he knows, they started to show the faith in him through the last four games of the regular season and into the playoffs, by the way. I, I put that in high regard that I would imagine they would go into this season and do the same thing. So, again, it's potential because, really, you look at these running backs, and while there's some talent, none of them really, like, jump off the page and excite you either. So I do believe that I can start this way, feel Devin Singletary can have a great season, but believe Chase Edmonds has that RB1 potential. And if Chase Edmonds ends above Devin Singletary, I have no problem being wrong there. This is where I look at it today and what my research has given me to go off of to start the season and think throughout the, the entirety of the year. I want to bring up a point about Devin Singletary, and <clears throat> I, I like your your like I said, I love when people put plums to the plums on the table. That's when you just got to do it. You just got to show it, just right? Get to your point. point. What I'm saying Ronnie is, Cola, do it. No, I'm serious. I like I like <laughs> whoa, the guts. Whoa, whoa. What's your point? The point. Chill. I'm sitting here and I'm saying, looking at the way they used Devin Singletary towards the end of last year. Yes, he looked like the lead back, right? They also did that towards the end of his rookie year. They still brought in a Zach Moss with a early pick which makes you feel, okay, maybe they're competition, maybe they don't like him. They used Moss a lot that year, right? Now Singletary gets used, he's doing his own little thing, and they bring in an early down or early pick again, and it makes me feel like they still don't 100% fully trust Devin Singletary. But they also got rid of Matt Breeder the third, uh, oh. the third running back. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I'm getting there. Chill! They also got rid of Matt Breida. We have all expected that they're going to fade Zach Moss. And if those are your options, are you just going to leave it to Devin Singletary? Duke Johnson being brought in isn't going to move the needle. So you still need another running back. We've talked about how there are only very few bell cow running backs left in the NFL. In the My other round. thought is with it not being Brian Dable anymore and it moving to Ken Dorsey, I imagine there will be a slight shift of some sort in this offensive scheme. I, again, I don't think they're fading the passing game. I don't think they're holding Josh Allen back at all. But I think they, I think Ken Dorsey understands. Everybody in the NFL goes; those guys don't run the ball. We can, we can, we can play defense against that a little better than we have before. You have to be multifaceted. You can't just throw the ball this many years in a row and nobody ever pick up on it. In my opinion. So let me Dylan's Dylan's point first of all. Um, they were going to draft a running back no matter what. Devin Singletary is in a contract year. They're not re-signing Devin Singletary for some top running back dollars. I don't. We're, I, I know this for a fact. He's not going to get paid top running back dollars. And you guys keep talking about the, the end of last season. And yes, they used him differently for the end of last season. He wasn't as effective as people think. He averaged less than three or less than four yards to carry four times or three or four times. I believe it was four times in the last six weeks. He wasn't averaging four yards to carry at all. He was getting the volume. But he was scoring touchdowns. He was very touchdown dependent towards the end of the year. He had, I believe, six touchdowns, five or six touchdowns the last five games. That is why his fantasy value improved last year. It wasn't his effectiveness. It wasn't that the Buffalo Bills were looking at him like, oh, he's some dynamic running back. It's because he was getting the touches, and there was nobody else. Zach Moss kept being deactivated, and I think this is what we're talking about when we talk about talent. When you bring in a guy like James Cook, and maybe we thought that about Zach Moss, 
we saw when Zach Moss ran well that rookie year, they went to him and they didn't trust Devin Singletary. This is about if James Cook gets his opportunity on the field and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this kid's explosive. Now you see Devin Singletary right back to the role he was. Because no matter what anybody feels, there has been a lack of trust in that backfield for the past four to five seasons. And I don't know how we can put Devin Singletary. And again, I'm not mad that Devin Singletary is at the top of this list. I'm I'm going to the AJ's point of if I think Chase Edmonds is that dude in, in Miami, which I personally do. I told you I was on board with your, your Chase Edmonds take. I think that Chase Edmonds in that offense is going to get more opportunity stand out because of the guys that are behind him, because of the lack of talent, yep. the injuries and all that, to be the lead guy than Devin Singletary is throughout the year. Number one, because Josh Allen is going to vulture most touchdowns around the red zone. And he, so Devin Singletary having five touchdowns in the last few weeks, that's not common. He had two the first 14 weeks of the season. And then all of a sudden yeah, he has while five they were the being last... inept in the running game. <laughs> but but that but that's the, that's the point. It's not it's not that they were inept. They just refused to run the football because of what Josh Allen brings. They run it with him. I don't see that changing. This is what's been successful for the Bills. I'm not saying they're not going to run a little bit more, but let's not forget they still yeah. didn't win. This is yeah. still Josh mm-hmm. Allen's team, and this is still Josh Allen who's making forty to. We I... keep saying this every year about quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. They need to run the ball more. Do they do it? Nope. They just don't like philosophy wise. These guys want the ball in the hands of the guy that's making $40 million. It's not just these powerhouse teams. It's all these teams. Russell Wilson, when he was with Seattle, Dak Prescott in Dallas, like ah. they want to throw the football with the guys that are paying $40 million. And I don't yeah. see that change. Yeah. Uh, last point to your Raheem Mostert thought process. Uh, I wanted to believe that full heartedly. I wanted to slot him in at eight and just call it a day. But I they brought him over well. for a reason. I'd that was that was his guy. He brought he went and got his guys. He let go of people who were on that team to bring in hurt Raheem Mostert for some reason. I don't think it's to sit there. <laughs> I, I don't. Now again, he's he's on the lower half. I don't think he's gonna be an RB one, two, maybe no, not even a three. Raheem Mostert has played seven years in the NFL. I, Seven. I understand. He is I averaging <laughs> 200 yards a year. He has a total of 1,400 yeah. yards in yeah, seven years. Yeah, but his first three seasons, he wasn't even a factor, though. Like, he didn't play. I mean, so, you look okay. – I mean, there, there's the so many three... stats. There's well, so many all, stats. He played 11 games in 2017. Dude. He played 11 games in 2017. Well, he was but, Right, he didn't no. touch the ball. But, yeah. again, you can even just take the two years that he played in 24 yeah. games. 24 games, he had 1,200 yards. I think like it's, it's – He's got juice, though. As my as as the RB2 in that backfield, I don't think it's Raheem Mostert. I think it's Sonny Michel. That's, that, that's my take. This backfield sucks. Sonny Michel was – I'm not saying – I'm not saying in terms of fantasy relevance, I don't think Raheem Mostert's draftable. I don't think Sonny Michel's draftable. Oh, no, but I think if, if you're to pick an RB2 in this Miami Dolphins backfield, it is Sonny Michel – Let's not forget, he didn't play that bad at the end of this tail end of the season for the Los Angeles Rams. Not saying he's going to be that great. I'm just saying he was going to be the RB2. That's Tony Michelle is light years Let's, ahead of Raheem Mostert. Is, is there a chance light Michelle years. gets cut? No. no, no. Mostert, get cut. Come, Mostert comes into that offense because he's familiar. That's why. It's not, hey, we expect you to come in and do something. You see this all the time in the NFL. Coaches go, they bring players, good veterans that can teach the young guys that know what that know an offense 
That's why Raheem Mostert was on the Dolphins. He had a coach he knows, and he's given him an opportunity. Mostert, we got to stop with Raheem Mostert every year. I can't do it. Can't. Put him at six. <laughs> Edmonds is the only one safe in that backfield. I feel like let's let's, chi- let's shift. Let's shift here. Let's shift here. We talked about the running backs, and we talked heavily about Devin Singletary and what that Buffalo Bills backfield is looking like. Let's talk about the receivers. Obviously, we know Stephon Diggs in Buffalo is the the wide receiver one for Josh Allen. But Aaron, you have been on the show very high. You've been very high on Gabe Davis. Seems like the fan, the entire fantasy community is very high on Gabe Davis. But what can you tell us that is different than what all the other talking heads are, are, are saying about Gabe Davis? What is truly special about him in fantasy this year that makes him a must-draft type of player? It's opportunity. And I, I don't think it's different than what people are saying. This is what we expect. He's been battling Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, just guys that have just been thrown out there. We're talking about a guy that's played about 50% of the offensive snaps as a receiver, and he's led the league the last three years in red zone opportunities, in red zone targets. And he plays 50% of the snaps. So you put this guy on the other side of a Stephon Diggs, draws double coverage, and you have a quarterback that is this physical freak of a Josh Allen, I think you see what we saw in the playoffs last year. We're talking about an explosive player. This is not somebody that's just, Oh, he's a he's an opportun he's in an opportunistic situation. You're talking about a guy that's an explosive player. Gabe Davis was explosive in college. He's been explosive his entire time in the NFL. This is somebody that is going to make a difference. And I think what is he? Wide receiver 31? Somewhere around there, wide receiver 30. I think it's just a disservice to where this he's gonna end up finishing. I I, I told you guys before, I think he could end up touching like middle of wide receiver two, maybe wide receiver one number three. That's not a joke. And I'm not saying he's going to overtake Stephon Diggs. But when you start separating Stephon Diggs having 110 catches and maybe Gabriel Davis having 14 to 15 touchdowns with 70 to 80 catches, I might be leaning to, to Gabe Davis's way at the, at the draft value that you're going to get him at. So um, I, all I can say is I'm, I'm all in. I shoved all my chips in the middle of the table. Gabe Davis is going to be on a lot of my teams. So, so you're 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 thinking we could be seeing something like a what Jamar Chase, the T Higgins, or the, like those type of receiving groups these, for fantasy, where both wide receivers are arguably wide receiver ones, if not fringe wide receiver twos. Like that's what we could possibly be seeing out of Gabe Davis. Yeah, I I I, I like Gabe Davis um, having a year like a like Mike Williams had last year. Mm-hmm. The random Will Fuller year. Nice little throw him out there. Well, yeah, half a year for Will Fuller. But, um, I mean, again, this is coming – I don't think people really remember how good he was at UCF. Like, he, he was, was a absolute uh, – he was a, a playmaker. I remember the pack- I remember the full sale package to talk about Gabe Davis. <laughs> oh my God. He, he, was, he was a dog. Like, he has the talent, and there's no better offense to be in than an offense that – throws the ball a ton, quarterback that just don't give a bleep and is going to throw you the football. And now we don't have the the guys in the way. There's no guys in the way to keep Gabe Davis off the field. That's the biggest thing. He was off the field a lot, and I think now with the percentage of snaps he's going to play in that volume, I I don't think you can miss. Let's just say that. Based on his ADP right now, I don't think he can miss. 
That was the take I was going to go with that, that route of, I mean, look, you're losing Cole Beasley and uh, also Emmanuel Sanders guys that took away that opportunity. Now he's at two, no matter what. I mean, Jamison Crowder's probably his only competition and that dude's old and washed and he'll be in the <laughs> slot. And I mean, it's really, he's going to be on the opposite side and he's going to be on the field a ton. And the upsides there, maybe Dawson Knox hurts a little bit, but I think he's still a pretty solid wide receiver and he can put up good numbers this year. I'm with you. A, a real quick question here. I'll, AJ, I'll send this to you. Dawson Knox, he just Dylan just brought him up and possibly taking some targets here. Right now, he's going as the tight end ten, and we know how kind of how flowy the tight end rankings can be. And just you might end up seeing one of these tight end twos, maybe eight or nine or maybe ten, slide into the top five. Do you think Dawson Knox has that potential of being a top a top five tight end this season? I think he might have some top five weeks. I don't think overall. I mean, you, you you can talk about the guys who are locked in at the top, Kelsey, Andrews. A lot of people say Kyle Pitts. You can add Darren Waller and George Kittle there. I mean, those are the five names that come to mind. If you want to battle him somewhere at that six and five spot, you're now talking about a Hawkinson. Uh, there's still a lot of potential in Goddard. That offense in Arizona is explosive with Zach Ertz and can have some opportunities. I just think there's a lot of people between five and ten uh, that he would have to battle. Now, he had some good weeks last year, and then he got injured. So we honestly didn't see the full potential of him. But I don't know about an overall top five, but I think he can be inside that top ten uh, and closer to it. But I don't think inside the top five. That's fair. That's fair. So we go on to the New England Patriots here, and there's obviously not a whole lot of relevancy with this Patriots offense. There's Mac Jones. He's not fantasy relevant. Then there's the wide receivers. Jacoby Myers might be, we might talk about him, but Dylan, we discussed Damian Harris a little bit in the beginning of the show with the running backs right now. He's just going outside as a, as RB 28. Do you think Damian Harris could be a, a, a RB two this season? No. Cause Pierre strong. No, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I'm about it. You know, I'm, about it. I'm, I'm all aboard Mr. D Harris. I know I, I like him a lot. I think they're going to use him. Uh, his contract's coming to an end here soon. His tenure in New, New England will probably be ending up uh, here soon, which might be why they took a flyer on a six-round back and strong. They also got Stevenson. They have a loaded backfield, and sometimes that might scare people away. But you got to understand, Damian Harris was that dude last year. When he was on the field, he was all over the place. He put up solid numbers. Um, he was able to hit holes and basically have those big runs and also score touchdowns. He's going to carry this team. And I know they say they want to throw more and, uh, break break open the shell a little bit of Mac Jones a little bit and throw the ball. And I know they got so many weapons and Devontae Parker among many uh, on the offensive side, on the outside, Mr. Aaron loves them. But, you know, um, I, I do think uh, Damian Harris is still going to be a solid running back, top 24. I think he's right around 24-ish. He's not going to be a top 10 guy, but he'll, he'll put up numbers that still make him a solid RB2, RB1. Yeah, RB2. Dylan, Damian Harris or Miles Sanders? Did my computer freeze or are you guys not talking? Okay. I was like, did you freeze? Did, did, uh, did you hear what I said? Damian Sanders, D- Damian Harris or Miles Sanders? Oh, sorry. I didn't hear that. Um, I'm going to go with Mr. Damian Harris. I think he scores more touchdowns. Okay. Okay. Damian Harris or AJ Dillon? E. <laughs> Damian Harris. More volume, okay. I feel. Okay. Uh-huh. Damian Harris or Elijah Mitchell? Oof, oof. <laughs> I hate Elijah Mitchell. These are all, these Elijah are, Mitchell. 
These are all running backs going ahead. I, of I, Damian Harris right I, mean, now, I got so. the same list pulled up right now. Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not going to go down. I mean, there's some that like, I know, I know your answer. Like I'm not going to throw out Damian Harris or Clyde. I know how much you hate Clyde Edwards Lair. So that one would just be like, yeah, I, I'm aware of these running backs that you actually dislike. So I'm not trying to give you the easy ones. Uh, Aaron, what I, do you have to say? I actually, I kind of disagree. Um, I, I think Damian Harris is going to be the guy. Child, but please. last year, Damian Harris was, I mean, sensational, right? Hit 15 touchdowns. Is Damian Harris going to score 15 touchdowns again this year? I don't think so. I don't know if the Patriots offense is going to score 15. Oh my gosh. And we're talk- you can say, oh my gosh, all you want, but we watched a team that refused to throw the football in a game just because they were trying to protect themselves from Mac Jones. And when Mac Jones was asked to go win games, he can't do it. I don't care what nobody says, can't do it. Saw that in the playoff game when he did nothing but throw picks. This is a team that doesn't have an offensive identity. We could talk about them. They wanted to run the That's football fair. and run play action. They don't have the weapons on the outside. They have to turn around and hand the ball off 35 times. And if we're saying they're going to open up the offense, then what does that do? I mean, Harris ain't going to catch passes. That's going to be James White. He doesn't. Maybe Pierre Strong comes in and catch passes, but I know it's not going to be Damian Harris. And so I, I think we have to temper the expectations. Talk about touchdown dependence. This isn't Jonathan Taylor running behind the Colts offensive line with a good offense and a good team and a great defense. Like this is the New England Patriots we're talking about who they've done nothing. We don't even know who their offensive coordinator is. They, they yeah, one. we do. It's it's uh, they said what's his name's gonna call plays. It's uh, it's Matt Judge, Griffin Murphy, Joe Patricia. Yeah, yeah, Patricia. I think Patricia's calling plays, which is which is insane because he's a DC. Guy, I thought. Uh, what? But listen, but listen. The, the yeah, point about New England. Judge. The <laughs> point about New England is the fact that they don't have an identity right now. Their identity isn't with the Raiders. That's their that's been their identity. Everybody gives the credit to Belichick. But Belichick is not an offensive guy. Belichick never ran an offense. Belichick was a defensive coordinator with Cleveland a, and a head coach, a defensive coordinator with the Giants, and then he became a head coach in New England and always had offensive guys. Charlie Weiss. Uh, oh. The guy, the tech, Charlie, Charlie Weiss was an excellent play caller yeah. in college and in the NFL. Uh, the guy with the Texans. And, and then now you talk about Josh McDaniels. Like, he's always had offensive play callers running that offense. Now you're asking somebody who's never done it to take over. I just, I worry about that entire offense. I don't want none of them. None of them. I don't want any offensive player from the New England Patriots on my fantasy. Screw you for bringing up fat Chucky. Charlie Weiss was great for Notre Dame. I don't know why you sit there and act like, like, why are you? He was great for Notre Dame. Ran his ass out of town. Brian Kelly actually did something. And now he's at LSU. Uh, all right. So, but for, I was going to go into that, right. that route with, with talking about the receivers in new England. And I, I agree. I don't think that there is any receiver that I want on the, on my fantasy team. I think it's Damian Harris. And then I'll see if I can get Ramondre Stevenson at a value pick. Uh, and, and that's it. Like, that's all that I'm going for in, in terms of this Patriots, this Patriots offense. Cause I, can you trust Jacoby Myers? Like, is that is that a player that no. you can put any type trust of Devonte Parker? No, you oh, can't. No, you Good can't. God. How do you trust? How do you trust the guys on that offense, the receiving court, when Mac Jones is going to throw for thirty four hundred yards? How do you know? You don't know their identity. Thirty four hundred <laughs> yards, twenty touchdowns, and 
14 picks. picks or something. 12, yeah, 12 or 14. You don't know. This is the guy that made De- – now, Devontae Smith was good, but he put up numbers in college. This ain't college football. <laughs> I, know. I think we saw – did Matt Jones throw anywhere close to 60 touchdowns like he did in college football last year? This is not, not college shot. football. I know it's not. But well, I'm saying, like, he's capable of having a wide receiver one. But uh, I, I don't think – I don't think that this – wait, a wide receiver one? What? No, not on not this year. I'm saying, like, he can give a wide receiver value. Is what I'm trying Put it to this say. Way. So, so last year, last year, Mac Jones, 3,800 yards, 22 touchdowns, and 13. So, say they open up the offense more and he throws more. Now he throws for, say, 4,500 yards, throws 28 touchdowns, and maybe 16, 17 picks because he's throwing the ball more. Those, that Wide. offense, go ahead. No, no, sorry, finish. That offense has Kobe Myers, uh, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker. Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, it's going to be so spread out. Their number one receiver last year was Jacoby Myers. You know what he had? He was wide receiver 43, had 800 yards and two touchdowns. How many catches? His first two touchdowns of his career. He had 83 <laughs> yeah. catches. So 83 catches. catches. I thought that. I didn't think it was that high. 83 catches, 800 yards and two touchdowns, and he would finish wide receiver 43. And you're saying they're going to have a wide receiver one? If those 83 now, balls go to a healthy Devontae Parker, that's a 1,000-yard year, and he's a solid wide receiver. You can't deny that, Aaron. I also I also think anybody else would have had at least three or four more touchdowns. I don't know what Jacoby, why Jacoby Myers was, like, allergic to the end zone either. <laughs> but other than that. So, so what you guys are arguing is from wide receiver 43 to wide receiver no. 32, 33. No, no, no. I'm that's what just we're saying – no, no. One, I'm just saying, and and I, I I hate when y'all make me do this. This is how all of a sudden I became a Carson Wentz lover. I just don't like your dislike for Mac Jones. Like I don't like it's your fantasy I don't football, get it. AJ. If it's I, this I, is I, fantasy fine. football. I don't want a guy that throws 22 touchdowns but, and 13 interceptions and throws for 38 yards. But on the same hand, with, on the with same no hand, weapons on his offense. But on the same hand, and maybe not you, but so many other people say, oh, I'd have Trevor Lawrence in a heartbeat, and he threw 17 touchdowns. I don't understand why if they open up the offense more, a guy with the football IQ of Mac Jones can't throw more touchdowns and less interceptions. Just because he threw 13 last year doesn't mean he has to throw more this year. No, 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 no. We're talking about fantasy relevance. Nobody's taking Trevor Lawrence and and saying that's fantasy relevant guy this year. Nobody. Who was doing that? And it's not me. They were drafted him like hotcakes because his name is T Law, bro. What do you mean they're <laughs> drafting him like hotcakes? <laughs> People are talking he's, about. I may be, he's being maybe drafted as quarterback. He's being drafted as quarterback eighteen. It's also July. <laughs> so what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Like people are, are after him. Like nobody's so, after so it's, him. So it's conversations AJ, AJ, I've had. I, AJ I Loki becoming a Jackson. AK, AJ Loki. We're not talking dynasty here. We're not talking dynasty. I took it away. I took so that away. My point was there are no fantasy relevant options. We are talking a and redraft league. I'm also not lobbying to draft Trevor Lawrence either. Realistically, I'm just you, talking about in the generality of the entire league. What is, my, what is you saying bring a guy in, that throws 3,800 yards and 22 touchdowns saying don't draft him, don't draft anybody on that team because he's not fantasy relevant? How is that wrong? It's not. I, he's not I relevant. Also, I also would would say that there isn't a Jags pass catcher that I would be comfortable draft like. Christian Kirk or Marvin Jones, like I'm not comfortable. I'm just as not comfortable drafting a Jaguars pass catcher as I am not comfortable drafting a Patriots pass catcher, to be completely honest. 
That's but I don't I think it's about, think it's about comfort about who you're drafting. We're talking about yeah. talent level. I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody yeah. thinks. Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar yeah. don't come close to the talent level of a Marvin Jones and a, and a Christian Kirk. Devontae Parker, we can argue because I do believe Devontae Parker is talented. My question about him would be staying on the field, right? Yeah. Um, right. So he has the talent. Yeah. And to, I was going to answer your point, Dylan. I do think that if those 83 targets go to Devontae or 83 balls are in Devontae Parker's hands, that might be a fantasy relevant season. My be. question is, I don't think 83 balls get in his hands because of that offense. I don't either, They're, but they, I said if those balls are in his hands. They don't <laughs> feature an outside wide receiver like that. They never have. Randy Moss has been the only one, and we're talking about arguably the greatest receiver to ever play the game. They do not feature outside bad. receivers. Well, they, they, since Tom Brady's moved on, they've tried. It's just failed miserably. You know, like you, you, miserably. The Josh Gordon failed miserably. Nikhil mm-hmm. Harry failed miserably. Nelson Aguilar, and he's not a big body, but they had him on the outside, failed miserably. So now you bring in a Devontae Parker who has shown some talent, but as we have said, can't stay on the field. Could be another try. Could also be another failed miserably. I just think the, I just think young young quarterbacks, young quarterbacks always talk about it. Middle of the field, yeah. tight ends, running backs, slot guys. They're first because that's how they read a defense. Yeah, easiest not. thing to read. It's right in front of you. So where? So I'm sorry if I'm not excited about the outside guys of the New England Patriots because yeah. I don't think Mac Jones, as smart as he is, the NFL. This ain't college smart. The NFL star, I'll say, and he hasn't I'll seen say this last thing. NFL I'll say this last thing. Respectfully, I will have the Mac Jones, I can't stand your hate for him when we talk real football, because in fantasy, yes, I was not lobbying to draft him, but that, that may be a more real football conversation in the season, because that that that's it's, where I just disagree hate. with you. It's not hate. Oh, it's hate. I hate You've used where, the word hate. I hate where he was drafted. <laughs> so he yes. will always be held the standard of a first round draft pick and i don't care any first round draft pick if you don't live up to that i'm gonna i'm gonna criticize you it's not this is not about mac jones not being able to play football it's not there to play football he is there to be a franchise quarterback if he is not if he does not prove that then it was a bust it's a wasted pick i'll say the same thing about zach wilson i'll say the same thing about trevor lawrence justin fields any of those guys i said it about carson wentz it's not the situation like a dak prescott where you're drafted in the fourth round those right. expectations aren't the same. So when you're drafted in the first round, you have an expectation to live up to. Mac Jones will be held to that expectation, and he's got to prove me wrong. He's got to prove to me that he's a franchise guy. I don't Brandon, believe Brandon LaFell, Malcolm Mitchell. Dude, you're really messing with my head right now. These outside they guys don't, don't work. They do not feature outside wide receivers. That's in crazy. The one player has been an exception. Even when Deion right. Branch was great, Deion Branch was a PPR monster. He worked all over the field. He was not a guy that was just lined up outside. They go get their offense has never featured it. It didn't matter what offensive coordinator. That's nuts. Let's let's shift on over to the Miami Dolphins here. And Dylan, while your mind is still being blown, I needed to answer this question for me. How does <laughs> how does Tua impact Tyreek Hill's fantasy season? Obviously, Tyreek oh, Hill now coming over. Yeah, I went there. I went there. How does Tua, Tua impact Tyreek Hill's fantasy season? You you know uh, that TikTok sound that goes oh no oh no oh no 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 well that's what you got here um, to a Tagovailoa last year albeit once again he can't stay on the field you know how I feel about him towards that this guy he doesn't throw a lot of deep balls 
Last year, you look at his quarterback stats when he threw a deep ball. He only threw six balls over 40 yards. And I know that'll probably change when you get a speedster like Tyreek Hill, or maybe if you had a Will Fuller healthy last year, you could throw it deep. He's more of a slant guy doing his boy Jalen Waddle and uh, other pieces on their offense that he throws it around to. I think that's more of his forte. So looking at a Tyreek Hill here, I think it does hurt his value immensely. And I don't think that this will be a great relationship fantasy football wise. He'll have his big weeks. Occasionally he'll, he'll take a slant to the house. He'll throw a connect on one of those deep balls, which like I said, only six balls over 40 yards last year. Um, Matthew Stafford led it with 18, but I mean, you look at just throwing balls out like that. I don't think I know he's a track star. He's a speedster. He can get past any defense, whatever. I don't think Tua has that. Oh, let me get it out and sling it down the field to him. Uh, that mentality or that that capability to do so on an accurate basis. I know he's an accurate passer more in the short game than anything. I question his deep ball abilities with someone like a Tyreek Hill. So is Tyreek Hill still a wide receiver one with Tua throwing him the ball? Oof, a very inconsistent wide receiver one. So so back half wide receiver one like a 11, 12, maybe maybe a fringe like two. Like he might be a two fringe one. I think um, that's where I think he's placed with Here. a Tua Tagovailoa. Why? Tell me why I'm stupid. Uh, you're not. You're not that's stupid. A you're insane. Um, to, to only attribute this this is this is the honestly the Tyreek Hill argument from like three years ago. To only attribute Tyreek Hill's fantasy value of deep completions is absolutely insane. Uh, I don't know, but the last time I watched Tyreek Hill, he caught a I believe an eight-yard pass and went 80 yards running by everybody against the Bills. And you're looking at this, these even the highlights now. There's so many ways to get a guy like this involved. And you mentioned another guy on the team who is arguably just as fast and dynamic as Tyreek Hill. His name is Jalen Waddle. And did that seem to have an impact on Jalen Waddle catching a number of passes, he, which he his he struggled with run after the catch last year? You give Tyreek Hill 101 catches. I don't care where they're at on the field. He is going to be a wide receiver one, probably wide receiver number two or three overall. This whole Tyreek Hill is going to fall because Tua. I honestly think Tyreek Hill benefits from this type of kind of offense. He's not reliant on just going down the stretch, middle of the field, and has to catch deep balls. He's going to get a lot of slants, a lot of bubble screens, a lot of reverses, a lot of balls in his hands at the line of scrimmage. And when he has the ball in his hands, there is not, and I'm going to say this very clear, there is not one player, not a one in the NFL, that scares me more than Tyreek Hill. Now, let me ask this question here that we, we, we obviously saw last year in San Francisco. Now, I don't know how much of this was, was, John, was Mike McDaniel or how much was this Kyle Shanahan, but we saw in San Francisco last year the usage of Debo Samuel. Obviously, two different styles of players where Debo plays that hard physical style. They still used him in a lot of like end around plays. They used him in a whole bunch of different packages do you think that kind of transfers over to the Dolphins and what Mike McDaniel is going to be bringing? And now with Tyree kill like that, that helps Tyree kills cause to be uh, arguably the best wide receiver in fantasy football this year, Aaron. Um, no, I guess I want to say no. Um, I don't think it has. I think the two are not, they're not the same. I think it's two different things. I think you're talking about a, a guy in Debo Samuel who, Let's be honest. We talk about his rushing, but he had 1,400 yards receiving on 77 catches. A lot of what he did was those bubble screens, 
those quick slants. That part of the game, I think you're going to continue to see from the Dolphins. I think they've already done that. That kind of fits what two has been doing. But I don't think McDaniel is going to look at Tyreek Hill and say, I'm going to use him or I see him doing what Debo did. I think two okay. different players. Um, do I think he gets involved in the run game? Yeah, some reverses. Um, but I think Waddle does as well. But I, I just don't want to be so quick to say, Tua doesn't throw the ball deep. Well, when has Tua had guys to throw the ball deep? They didn't use Jalen Waddle that way last year. And let's not forget when Tua was coming out of college, he was arguably the best deep ball thrower we had seen in a very, very long time. Like mm-hmm. his accuracy, everybody talked about the deep ball. Um, so I would kind of pump the brakes on that conversation. But I think Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill. I, I, you give Tyreek Hill 100 plus targets and seven, around 75 to 90, anywhere from 75 to 90 catches. He's going to have 1,400 yards. And, you know, if he gets in the end zone nine, 10 times, it's a wide receiver one year. I, I don't, maybe it's not wide receiver one. Maybe it's wide receiver seven or eight like he was last year, which was a bad year. Tyreek Hill. Not, not sure. I think, uh, Go ahead. With, your, with your Debo question, I'll be super quick. I think that's part of the reason they brought in Chase Edmonds as well. Not to be Debo, but so Tyreek doesn't have to be either. You know, you get two guys who can be shifty, who can be quick, who can be one-cut guys and do a lot of the bubble screen, a lot of the swing passes and run the ball. Then you don't have to do it all for one guy. You have multiple guys that can do that. You can spread the wealth and keep them uh, keep them healthy. Okay. I'll take now, my he, here. Good takes. Well, he, I mean, he, but he, it's, it's just hard. Tyreek Hill hasn't been less than wide receiver eight. And I know he's had Patrick Mahomes, but even in down years where he's only had like 75, 1107. That was wide receiver eight. Played some with Matt Moore and also Alex Smith too, and he still proved numbers. Tua last year had the second best, he was the second most accurate quarterback with passes over 20 yards with at least 20 attempts just behind Justin Herbert. So he's he's a good, he's a great. Dylan had to go to 40 yards. The discredit to it. He is in the NFL. What is 40 yards? He's not that accurate. No. <laughs> let's let's end this. Let's end this on the New York Jets here. And AJ, we started the show off talking about your running backs and your view on them. And we're gonna end the show talking about your running backs. And this New York Jets backfield, obviously, Michael Carter. Brees Hall. I do remember some shows, Aaron, you were not so happy about the draft position of Brees Hall. AJ, what do you think this backfield looks like in terms of fantasy with Hall and with Carter? I I think they start out going with Carter. He knows the system. He's been in the NFL. He's got a year under his belt. He can, he's done some nice things for, uh, for this Jets offense. Uh, But when I look at the talent of Brees Hall and what he's able to do, I think he's, I think he's got better vision than Michael Carter. I think he's a little stronger than Michael Carter. And I think he's got more breakaway speed than Michael Carter. You look at what Brees Hall did in the last two seasons, rushed for 3,000 yards over the last two seasons in a, at Iowa State, 41 touchdowns over the last two seasons at Iowa State. Those are the numbers of a type of guy that, yes, it was in college, and yes, it was Iowa State, but those are the numbers of a guy you expect to come in the NFL. And I'm not saying he's going to run for 1,500 and you know 15 touchdowns his first year, but I think he's got a solid, a solid chance to be close to a thousand his first year. I think he's got a solid chance to have eight plus touchdowns his first year. And if this offense, from what we've seen them do uh, in in the offseason, in the draft, and free agency, what we've seen them do to this team, if we expect them to take an uptick like a lot of people think, 
I mean, I think he's going to be a solid part of it. I don't think he's left in the dust. I don't think you jog him back across the Vegas Strip to walk on the stage to be like, well, that was your moment in the sun, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think I don't think Michael Carter will be faded, but I do think part of drafting a guy like Brees Hall in the second round was because they did have question marks about what they saw out of Michael Carter last season. Uh, so I think I think you're another running back by committee. That's what the NFL is going to these days. They want to save them while using them for their contract years before they dump them all at the same time. And I, I, I do like this offensive line that they're running behind too. Like not to not, not saying like Connor McGovern is like a, a big time name, but I, I mean, Makai Becton, if he comes back and plays to, to the level that he's been known to play at Elijah Vera Tucker's not a, ba- a bad guard. You throw in a, the signing of Lake and Tomlinson, this offensive line, I feel like is good to run behind for, for these two to be fantasy relevant. Uh, Dylan, you were kind of given a face when not, maybe not a bad face, but you were mm-hmm. giving some type of reaction face to what AJ was saying. Elaborate. It was on. Oh, elaborate. Uh, tell me more. Uh, good question there, kid. Um, AJ always he, he says um, he said eight touchdowns. Do you mean like I, I, I question? I think eight might be a little steep for one specific running back here. I was thinking maybe total touchdowns. I can see Brees, yeah. but uh, Brees Hall rookie yeah. year. Okay, total. Okay. I'll get on board with that eight rushing from a rookie. I don't know, but I think the one, two punch is nice. You know, you got, this is the Carter, uh little Wayne joke um, back there. And then you also got uh Brees hall. So I think the one, two are beautiful there. They play off each other. Well, Carter actually was pretty solid in the receiving game last year too. Um, he, he had pretty solid hands. I I'm curious to see how they use both of the backs, but I think both of them will provide value. And there goes the host. I mean, you got to stop your take. But I mean, Aaron, you look like you were gonna be uh, upset with both of us. So, <laughs> no, no, I, I would not not upset. Um, I, <laughs> I just worry about when we start labeling how many touchdowns we're gonna give a player. Um, eight touchdowns is a lot potential, and I know it potential doesn't seem is like a lot. It's only eight, but that's a jet. eight touchdowns is it's a, that's a great season for for a player. And um, I'm not sure how many players rushed for eight touchdowns last year, but I, I don't, I think eight, eight touchdowns is a stretch for. And we were doing so well. It's, it's, um. it's okay. Dylan, how many, touch, how many um, players last year had eight touchdowns or more? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14 running, running backs, backs rushed for eight. for eight or more touchdowns last year. Aaron, it looks like you're kind of back. Yeah, you're definitely it's back. Total. Yeah, you're back. I, I, my thing says I'm back. Um, so, so, well, Debo, so, yeah. So, 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 to my point, um, I, I just find it as somebody that's in a running back by committee, um, which I do believe it will be some kind of running back by committee on a team that hasn't proven to score very many touchdowns. Um, I think you're just both. You're in a situation where both these guys are going to be hard to trust. Um, I do agree. I think Brees Hall is going to be the lead guy there. I think Michael Carter is going to get faded a lot. Um, but I do think Michael Carter will be used in the pass game. And I know Brees Hall is capable, but I think when it comes to passing down situations, I think they're going to give it to, to Michael Carter just because they want to get both guys involved. So you might see a situation where Brees Hall is that first and second down guy. Michael Carter comes in, gets the third down stuff. Brees Hall gets the goal line carries. And Brees Hall finishes as a higher flex than Michael Carter. Um, I don't want to say Kenyon Drake. Your connection doesn't uh, want to say that. <laughs> you know, it, I, I'm looking at, I looked at that list that I just pulled up a second ago. Not too many um, 
committees had eight plus rushing touchdowns. I guess Melvin Gordon's uh, were one of them. Uh, one of the other one that was kind of close. Odd, oddly enough, this guy had seven touchdowns last year for Mister Boston Scott. <laughs> he put seven in Pater. No, no, Miles, no, Miles Sanders. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, he got a lot more run, <laughs> a lot more usage. He still has never he played a game against the Giants in which he hasn't rushed for a touchdown. That's nuts. Unbelievable. What a what a, what a stat! And you know, honestly, that's perfect. That's perfect. He brought up Boston Scott, and perfect that he brought up Miles Sanders, and perfect he brought up the Giants because on next show tomorrow morning we are going to be breaking down the NFC East and their fantasy outlooks. We are done talking about the AFC East for this evening or for this morning, I should say. Uh, <laughs> so I, close. So close. Juice, I was so close, uh, but we will be back again tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube. AJ, pay the bills before we get on out. Chia. There was a point in time where I didn't think this day would come. Ladies and gentlemen, I knew you guys would come to the city that is Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. And the only way we see that is when you hit those love and support buttons. So like, share, comment, argue, laugh. Any emoji you want to put on there, except like them angry ones or like the poo-poo ones, stay away nah, from those. We don't need those the, in the city. Let's fill the comments with poo-poo emojis. Nah, our city clean. This ain't y'all. This ain't just shit everywhere. We clean up here. Sack City, baby. Come on over to the city. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Hit that subscribe. Hit that like. And sit your ass down in front of a laptop, a TV, wherever you want to be. Every Wednesday through Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Good morning, Sack City. Hashtag GMSC. We'll be back again tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern time, talking to NFC East and their fantasy outlooks for my best friend Aaron Mutes, for the Valedictorian Dylan Kearns, and for your boy AJ Johnson. I am me. We will see you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. You made it this far, so you must have liked that show. If you did, Go ahead and think of two people you can share this episode with. We can never have too many people in the city. So don't forget to hit that follow button. Sac City. Population. One more. <laughs>